I'm Colleen, and this podcast is an inside look at recovery, which I define as a lifelong journey to get out of your own way and become your own best friend. Join me for mindset upgrades that move you from worry and regret to resilience and confidence. I'll share easy strategies for how to feel better without having to make major changes. Because it's not what you do, it's who you are. Self-care is the path to recovery because our needs are not negotiable. Today I'm going to give you the primary coping skill that I use in times of stress. There are four questions that the moment I realize I'm upset, I immediately start asking myself. And these four questions allow me to shift from the belief that something out there is happening to me, somebody is making me feel or think something, It takes me from being a victim of the situation and also of my own emotions and turns it around so that I can reclaim my power. These questions allow me to take full responsibility for my feelings. And that is one of the things I teach my clients first and always right out of the gate is the goal here And it's kind of a litmus test for people if you want to work with me or not. The way we, the the premise of my approach is that you are 100% responsible for your feelings. And so the shift is always first to figure out how you are causing your own feelings. Awareness is the ability to distinguish between what's happening in the real world and what's happening in your mind what you're making things mean, what the assumptions are, the story you're telling yourself, the old emotional patterns that you kind of always respond in the same way, habitual thoughts and reactions that kind of drive the bus, especially in times of stress. The more stress we feel, the less conscious we are. The more stress we feel, a stress response by definition is a survival response. And when we go into a survival response, our cognition goes offline, our logic and rational thinking decreases and our emotions take over. And even if you're really good at controlling your emotions, you know, you have that stoic response, you don't flinch, you don't react. As long as you're feeling emotions, they are managing your behavior. So even a person who's not reacting that is a reaction. So it's not even right to say, well, that person's not emotional. Maybe their stress response is just stunned or silent or to dissociate or to ignore or avoid or whatever. Like that's still an emotional response. And so when you recognize that you're in a stress response, even a low level stress response, you know, it's not all fight or flight, run away, scream, cry, yell. Anytime you're experiencing any level of anxiety or depression or anything that's kind of operating in the background that's controlling your mood, that is some sort of stress response. So I want to start with a story 
that um, really brings this into focus. I was working with a client this week, it's a short story, and she was really upset. She'd gone on a trip and her dog sitter had not performed. She got home and realized that the expensive food that she purchased and kept in you know a special place or a refrigerator or an auto feeder, I'm not sure what it was, the story, because it doesn't matter. But she was upset that the dogs had not been given the food that she wanted. The dog sitter stayed in her home and didn't leave things clean, you know, and had asked if it was cool to take a bath in her, I don't know if she has a jet bathtub or something, or use the pool or use the the home and live in the home. And she had given full permission for the gal to do that. But then when she came home, she realized the house was a mess. The dogs hadn't even gotten the food that they needed and wanted. They hadn't been walked as she specified. And she still paid the dog sitter the money. And so at one point, this went on for about a week. She had first contacted me just in passing or she had said something and she was saying, I'm furious about my dog situation. And then the next week when we met for group, she brought it up in group. So she was upset for over a week about this situation and she wanted some clarity, she wanted some relief. And so the first thing that we did was shift her understanding from her belief that the dog sitter's actions or inactions were what was creating her upset. When in fact, that's not the case. What really was going on is her thoughts and feelings about how she should have responded when she realized that the the dog sitter's end of the contract wasn't upheld and she felt very um, weak and she said you know i never stand up for myself i never want to make people mad because i guess this dog sitter is a little bit in their social circle circles or is connected to them in ways outside of the dog sitting and so she didn't have the courage to call a spade a spade call dog shit dog shit and rectify the situation so that she felt that it was fair on her behalf. So we could point the finger at the dog sitter all day long, but in truth, it was the story in her brain about what it meant for her and about her that was really making her mad. Because the bottom line is the dogs were fine. You know, if you have a dog, I have a dog, I come home. And if my dog's alive, then I consider that a win. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm darn sure that nobody takes care of my dogs as well as I do. And that's part of my decision to leave. You know, I, I don't love leaving my dog, but it's either never leave my dog or never go on a vacation. And I choose a leave my dog. (laughs) I'll see you in a week. You'll be fine. But her, her emotions that were stewing and stirring and she was struggling with for over a week had nothing to do with the dog sitter. And once she kind of was willing to work with that, okay, it's not, and this is my emotional ownership statement. So if you've worked with me or if you've listened to my podcast, you've heard this, but I'll repeat it here. This is my mantra. Blank is not the problem. My thoughts and feelings about blank are the problem. So in this situation, the dog sitter's lack of performance is not the problem. My thoughts and feelings about the dog sitter's lack of performance 
is the problem. My thoughts and feelings and my lack of reaction in this case is the problem. She didn't speak up. She didn't tell her truth. And so the four questions that I want to introduce to you today are the questions I use whenever I'm finding that I'm struggling, I'm inside my head, I'm overthinking, I'm analyzing, I'm going back over things or I'm projecting into the future and I've just, I've got a story in my head. And the first thing I ask, question number one, is what am I making this mean specifically about me? Because of course, our emotions are all about us. What am I making this mean about me? So with her in this situation, she was making this situation mean that she's weak and she doesn't speak up for herself and she is a victim of this dog sitter that she was taking advantage of. So she was making this mean that she was being taken advantage of and that doesn't feel good. The second question that we moved into is what assumptions or stories am I making or telling myself? What assumptions am I making? What stories am I telling myself? In this situation, her assumption was that she is incapable of setting a boundary or taking action on her behalf. She, the story she's telling herself is she's always been like this. She never has the courage or the balls to stand up for herself or in this case her dogs that's her story and so the the third question is what do i need to accept or what do i need to let go of either way it you can frame that it just depends on the situation what do i need to accept or what do i need to let go of and in this situation the first thing she needed to accept was that that situation had happened. There is no how that situation should have gone. And that is truthfully a window into insanity. That is the, the, the difference between moving forward and staying stuck. Whenever you are focused on the way something should be, you are not allowing for the way it is. And you can't change anything until you accept it. So the first step to making any sort of progress is to accept. I also frame forgiveness as a form of acceptance. Forgiveness, I don't know where I heard this. It might have been Don Miguel Ruiz. But forgiveness can be thought of as simply when you stop arguing that the past should be different. You're no longer saying it shouldn't have happened that way or something different should have taken place. Forgiveness is acceptance. And I would like to say here that forgiveness is not usually a one and done. You don't, you know, make, you make a decision to forgive, but then you repeatedly have to forgive every time the thought or the emotion or something triggers you a memory or, you know, a repeat of that situation. Anytime that's triggered, then you have to actively decide to honor your decision to forgive, to honor your decision to accept. You cannot change the past. And if you keep arguing with the past, the future is going to be a trajectory of the past because you're going to keep repeating old patterns. So in this situation with my client, she had to accept that she didn't stand up for herself. It is what it is. And it does not mean 
going back to question number two, what are you making this mean? Or question number one, it doesn't mean that she's a weak person. It doesn't mean that she'll never be able to set boundaries. It doesn't mean that she can't still go back and rectify the situation should she choose to, but it just is what it is. She had a stress response in that situation where she realized that her person didn't honor the agreement and she had an emotional response. That's what a stress response is. It's an emotional response. She had an emotional response that exceeded her bandwidth to apply logic and reason and act in her own best interest. So she had to let go of the fact that she's not adept at speaking her mind because there's a lot of fear on how that will be received by both the person she's talking to, possibly her spouse who may think she's just overreacting, possibly her social circle who might take sides. She had to let go of the fact that she didn't respond as she wanted to because that fear exists for her. So she had to accept that she has a fear of what people think and she had to let go of the fact that that fear in this situation was guiding her behavior and, and dictating her response. So the fourth question, the final question that I asked myself and I encouraged her to ask herself is how do you want to respond? And don't in this situation, what we both initially wanted to jump to is how should she have responded? <laughs> and then we were back on the merry-go-round. And what I redirected her is how do I want to respond in the present moment to the situation that is what it is? And so what that led us to is a call for self-compassion, a call to, again, accept that that's, that's the story, that's the situation. She let her dogs down, she let herself down, she didn't honor herself, and that's okay. She can tolerate those feelings of disappointment in herself. And that was the huge power move shift where point A for her was that she was so disappointed in her dog walker. And where we got to point B is that she was disappointed in herself. And that's painful. That hurt. But what I encouraged her to do, the only way through this, the only way to change this into the future is to accept that she was disappointed in herself. Because then she can begin to problem solve. Because if she would have continued to think she's disappointed in the dog walker, her brain would have continued to run on high speed about what she needed to do to correct the dog sitter's behavior. When in fact, once we went through these four questions, we realized that her behavior was the problem. Now the brain has a real problem to solve. And if you don't give your brain the real problem to solve, it's gonna run around trying to solve the other problem because our brain is a problem-solving machine. Our brain is like a puppy. It's going to chew on problems. And a puppy, if you don't give it a bone, is gonna chew on your shoes, it's gonna chew on your sh furniture, it's gonna chew on your fingers. But if you give the puppy a safe space to chew on the bone, everybody's happy. And your brain is the same way. And that really is what anxiety is. It's when your brain is chewing on problems in the background, especially, you know, in your subconscious. And what is the uh, 
the workaround, the hack for subconscious beliefs and emotions, it's to bring them into consciousness. It's to do this work to untangle the thoughts you're having and that are causing your emotions and then redirect your brain so that now it can begin to solve the real problem, which for my client was that she's disappointed in herself. What does she need? And then we talked about how do you apply self-compassion? You know, I always like to step outside of myself and, and look at it as like, what if this was one of my children who messed up at school or at work or wherever they were? Like, how would I help them deal with their disappointment? You know, the first thing you do is it's okay. You know, it doesn't mean something is wrong with you. And if she continued to cling to the belief that something is wrong with her, that she isn't the type of person who can learn to speak her mind, well, then that just becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And then next time she's confronted with a situation, she has that stress response because that fear is activated that she can't deal with it. Instead, in the future now, now that she's accepted and processed the disappointment and she knows she's not afraid to feel that, she has a choice. She can either disappoint herself or she can deal with the feelings that she might have to encounter from the reaction of her response to an unfair situation. And if you can learn how to tolerate disappointment for yourself, that gets old really fast and you actually become much more willing to deal with somebody else's disappointment or you know reaction to you of nah you shouldn't say that or nah you're wrong when you honor yourself that is how you build the skill of resilience to other people's reaction to you that is how you have a connection with yourself is by starting to honor yourself acknowledging what you're feeling, validating that it's okay to feel that way, and then begin to ask yourself questions about how you want to feel and how you want to show up next time, and then start working on an action plan. You know, this is a the big long process. This is the work of recovery, and it's not a one and done. And reframing the problems in your life to a place where you can see that you're a hundred percent responsibility for your thoughts and feelings and how you are reacting to them is a total game changer. So if you're taking notes, I'll recap the four questions, write them down, put them on post-it notes. And whenever you are feeling stressed, use them, stop what you're doing. Take the time to reflect question. Number one, what am I making this mean? about me? Question number two, what assumptions am I making or what stories am I telling myself? Question number three, what do I need to accept or what do I need to let go of? And question number four, how do I want to respond? And you can ask that from two different angles. How do I want to respond to the situation? But most importantly, and first, how do I want to respond to myself? And I'll give you the cheat sheet. You want to respond with kindness and compassion like you would to anyone that you love because you love yourself. So 
I hope this helps. And just to put a reminder in your ear, this is the work that I do in the next chapter. And I'm starting another session soon. It's a 12-week program where I teach women how to interpret their emotions, just as I've done on this episode, how to interpret their emotions and then how to process them so that they get resolved. So you're not just flinching and reacting so that you don't have to feel something. Once you realize you're not afraid to feel your feelings, you're not afraid of anything because ultimately all of our problems in life boil down to how we feel about them. Otherwise, it's just a matter of logistics. I'm cold. I don't have the money for that. I no longer have that job, like whatever. It's just a very rational, it is what it is. And I accept that and I'm managing my feelings about it. And so this is what I do in the next chapter. This is, these are the types of tools that we go over each week and then troubleshoot where you've applied them and how that's gone. And so I encourage you, if you are wanting to move into changing the way you manage your emotions, becoming the owner of your own brain. Your brain is a tool. And if you're not directing it, it's directing you. And so you can learn how to manage your emotions, learn how to manage your thought processes and change the way you're showing up in the world so that you're not just knee jerking your way through life and repeating old patterns. You're no longer stuck in a cycle of self-defeat because you can't change anything. So it's really powerful. I encourage you, if you're interested in learning more, I'm going to put a link to uh, the in the show notes for my program page. You can read a little more about it. And then if you'd like more information, I don't take people just because they sign up. You do need to do a discovery call with me. And it's a 30-minute call where I go over you know, what your goals are, what my approach is. We interview each other to see if it's a good fit. So if you're interested, book a call with me. I'll talk to you soon and I will see you next week. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, please take the time to rate and review the show so that other people can find it. I really appreciate it. And check out the show notes for any resources I've mentioned, including links to follow me on Instagram and join my private Facebook group where I connect with my tribe every day. I love it in there and we have so much fun. And finally, if you're ready to redefine sobriety so that you can feel excited about quitting drinking, follow the link to my 10 days to spontaneous sobriety course, where I will help you eliminate, eradicate, obliterate, cancel your desire to drink because looking and feeling your best is addictive too. I'll see you soon.